You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Danica Ellis. This is episode number 383.5, and today I'm going to recommend to you a couple of sapphic horror books to read this Halloween. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you recognize my name, you will not be surprised to hear what my theme is because the majority of the books I read are sapphic. I have a book blog called The Lesbury, and over the decade I've been running it, queer woman books have taken over my TBR, and I am not complaining. Horror, though, is usually not high on my reading list, except in October. In October, I bow to all things Halloween and steal myself for some scary reads, witchy reads, anything related to the spooky season. It is the only time I can stomach it. So of course, October means lots of sapphic horror books for me. And I want to share a couple of my favorites with you. The first one is The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling. Next weekend on the 22nd is Dewey's 24-hour readathon, which is my favorite day of the year, except it's days since it's biannual. If you haven't participated before, I highly recommend it. You don't need to read the whole time. You don't need to stay up the full 24 hours. Every year, me and a couple of friends go for a snack around the night before, sleep over at my place, and read together for the whole day and eat tons of snacks. It is amazing. I highly recommend it. And you can make it whatever you want. For the October readathon, I like to stick to the theme of Halloween, which means lots of horror books. Most of them are pretty short or they're graphic novels, but I always try to pick at least one full-length novel, and last year it was The Luminous Dead, and it was the perfect pick. So while I don't read a lot of horror, there are a few keywords that are catnip for me. One, of course, is that it's sapphic. Another is claustrophobic stories. I actually love the trapped in an elevator story in any genre from romance to horror. I find it really brings the relationships between characters to the forefront for better or worse. I love seeing how people interact when there is nothing to distract them, no way out. And then, of course, in horror, those small spaces really get under my skin. Do you remember in the movie Descent where she gets stuck crawling through that tiny tunnel? It was definitely the scariest part of the movie, and it hadn't actually gotten to the horror part of the story yet. So of course, if I see a claustrophobic horror book, I'm way more likely to pick it up. And when I found a sapphic one, it was automatically on my October TBR. The Luminous Dead is a sci-fi horror story that follows Geyer, who has lied her way into getting a lucrative caving job. Once she gets into the tunnels of this planet to begin the job, once she's been surgically sealed into the suit that's going to keep her alive in the days or weeks to come, she learns some new things about this job. While normally something like this would include a whole team back at the base to guide her, there is only one voice in her headset 24-7, 
and her name is M. And also, it turns out that many other cavers have died in these tunnels. But Geyer doesn't feel like she has many options, so she goes through with it. She especially doesn't feel like she has options because M knows that she lied and will definitely expose her if she doesn't complete the job. This is inherently an unsettling situation. She is in a dark, claustrophobic space by herself, but then there are some added layers of horror. M is controlling and manipulative, which includes freezing Gar's suit remotely or flooding her body with chemicals to get her to do what she wants. There are also giant tunneling monsters to avoid. That's why they only do solo missions here to avoid detection. And then, as the days continue, Gaia begins to swear she can see someone else in the tunnels, someone without a suit. But that shouldn't be possible. And there's a non-zero chance that she is hallucinating after encountering some strange spores. This was such an absorbing book to read in one sitting. I was on the edge of my seat. Geyer and M formed this interesting, toxic relationship over the course of the book. Kind of reminds me of Eve and Villanelle from Killing Eve. It was definitely not healthy, but wow, was it compelling. This is part psychological horror, part survival story, as Geyer's supplies keep dwindling much faster than they should. I'm not saying you have to read this in one sitting because it is over 400 pages, but those pages flew by and it was a reading experience like no other. I am really trying to find the book that's going to do the same thing for this October readathon because it was just the perfect Halloween-ish reading experience. And that is The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling. The second sapphic horror book I wanted to recommend to you is Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu and edited by Carmen Maria Machado. Carmilla is a lesbian vampire story that predates Dracula. It's one I have read multiple times along with watching the web series and even seeing the web series movies in theaters, but I have a complicated relationship with it, much like I feel about lesbian pulp fiction. I am repulsed and attracted, which is just how Laura, the main character, feels about Carmilla. This is a story that's meant to be about the monstrous lesbian. Part of the horror of the story is supposed to be that it is a woman who is preying on this other woman and has these romantic or sexual undertones. But at the same time, Carmilla is a fascinating character and even sympathetic at times. I'm sure that's why it has inspired so many adaptations. When I saw that Carmen Maria Machado was editing an edition, I knew I had to pick it up. I loved her body in other parties as well as in the dream house. So I wanted to see what she would do with this story. But I was also thinking, how much can a new editor really change? Is this just going to be the same story with a new cover and a few pages of introduction? And honestly, I'd probably be happy with that just to read a few pages of Machado's thoughts. But I should not have underestimated her because somehow with a brief introduction and a handful of footnotes, she completely reframes and reclaims this story. So Carmilla was originally published as a serial in a magazine. 
And after that, his short stories were collected with an added introduction, which claimed that the story was gleaned from a doctor's collection of letters, which was a pretty common framing for these sort of stories at the time. Machado adds another layer on top of this, claiming that the actual letters were discovered hidden in Lefanu's property, and that he had not only stolen the story and claimed it as his own, but had also censored it, which creates this meta-narrative around the work, which I just find fascinating that she built out this whole other layer to the story. Through her introduction, she makes the queer subtext, which was already pretty hard to deny, text. In the discovered letters that she has invented, the real Laura describes her undisguised desire for the real Carmilla. This casts doubt on Le Fanu as a narrator and shows him as a biased perspective. He is made unimportant, an impediment to understanding the story and the character instead of the creator. Instead of seeing a queer reading of this text as violating the intent of the author or bringing a modern lens to it inappropriately, it imagines the story as being previously misinterpreted through a heteronormative view. It is brilliant. It totally blew my mind when I read this. The few footnotes include factual information as well as some just perfect asides It is so nice to have a friendly, by which I mean queer, guide through the story. There are also a few illustrations included in this edition, which I loved. Reading this edition also made me think about how Laura's thoughts about Carmilla can be seen through the lens of heteronormativity. Unfortunately, shame, guilt, and fear intermingling with desire is still a common feeling for many queer people, especially when they are first exploring their sexuality. Laura's feeling of being both drawn to Carmilla and feeling, quote, something of repulsion can be easily interpreted as compulsory heterosexuality, souring desire. In fact, so heteronormative is Laura that she wonders if Carmilla could be a boy in disguise, which is the only way she can conceive of a romance. I love that queer stories have so often reclaimed monsters because we're accustomed to the alchemy of turning shame into pride. And Machado herself wrote in the dream house, I think a lot about queer villains, the problem and pleasure and audacity of them, which made her a perfect choice to edit this story and be a guide through it. Despite the vast majority of the text being unchanged, I found this to be a profoundly different experience than reading the original Carmilla, so I highly recommend it whether you've read the original version or not. And that's Carmilla, edited by Carmen Maria Machado. Also, Carmen Maria Machado has some other works out this month that you might want to check out. I mentioned in all the books in the first Tuesday episode. She's in a documentary called Queer for Fear that is on Shudder, and I am really looking forward to watching it. And she also has an essay about Jennifer's body in the new book, It Came from the Closet. So definitely check those out too. I will be. And those are all the books I have for you today. Thank you so much to our sponsor. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice.
You can find a list of all the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate your review and your reviews help other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, you can do that at lesbury.com. That's L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y.com for my sapphic book blog or at Danica Ellis, Danica with a K on Twitter. In the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.